0: Man, i was telling somebody this morning, I'm not sure if I can know how to preach to people anymore. I almost had a, a, a camera just set up right here so I could feel comfortable again. But, man, it's so good to see you guys. Um, there, there's so many things that I, I, I want to share with you about what God's been doing over this season. Um, I, I just don't know if I have enough time today, but it's just so good to see you guys. Um, physical people, you guys that are online, I'm so glad that you're joining us um, as, as we've been meeting the last nine weeks online. It's been crazy, right? It's been a a wild time lately. and So um, like Meredith said, I just want to welcome you to Connection Church. Savannah, if it's your first time here, uh, either online or or in person, I just want to welcome you. um, Whether you're here physically or online, we just want to tell you that we're honored that you're here and we're honored that you decided to be here today. Um, Because one thing I feel like these past two months have taught me is there's nothing that can replace meeting together as the body of Christ right? That's, that's something that I really feel like that God's been teaching me lately. And as, as we've been reading Acts, I see that over and over and over again. Just the, our faith was meant to be practiced together. It was meant to be done together. A body, a body that is separated physically, is hard to be united and, and to become mature, right? And so, but while we're excited that we're gathering together again today, we're about to start doing this more you know, we're excited about doing this without any restrictions or precautions. We're going to we're going to continue to be careful with our people while at the same time coming together to honor the Lord. So I'm glad that you guys are here. You guys are online. We're, we're honored that you're here with us. And um, we're, we're excited to share with you what's, what's on the horizon, what we're doing soon as a church, where we're going to be um, coming back together as a full body um, again soon. And so let's pray together as we jump into our series. We're going to be in week 22 of Witness. Man, we got a few more weeks to go. Okay. Just to kind of give you a hint, it only lasts 28 weeks because there's 28 chapters in Acts. Okay, so, um, so we're, we're almost there, but it's been great. So let's pray together as we jump in. If you want to turn to Acts 22 while we're doing that, that's fine. So God, we love you so much. We're honored for what you, uh, just to be able to stand in your presence today, God, and just as a body, just to say, we love you, God. We will honor you. We, we praise you. We worship you, God. We adore you, God, because you're the only one that deserves our praises and our glory, God, to give to you. Father. I pray today that you would just speak to us through your word. God, I pray that every word spoken today from this stage would be from you. God, that you would just hide me behind your word and your cross. God, that you would just speak life into this body today. God, that you would just give us direction, that you would speak into us today, that we would just be actionable in our next steps as we follow you, Jesus. We love you so much, God. I pray that we would follow you anywhere. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as I was listening to that song... Wherever you lead me, wherever wherever you call me, all I want is you. And, I, and there's a lot of like just uh, contingencies in, in Acts chapter 22 of, of what we've seen from the entire book of Acts of of that last song of I'll follow you anywhere. This, and this is Paul's life. I am going to follow you anywhere, no matter what, no matter what I face, no matter what I see, no matter what persecution comes, I'm going to follow you there. I'm going to follow you to where you're leading me. And today we're going to look in Acts 22 where Paul is literally being persecuted, but he's getting, he's been given a chance to speak to his persecutors, not something that we get a chance to do a lot, right? Um, In other countries, we see our brothers and sisters being persecuted without a voice. And so today, we're going to look at that. But as we jump into Acts 22, in in, in this 22nd week of the series, I'm really in awe of how God has done, what he's done in me, personally, as I've been reading through Acts and studying the book of Acts. I'm also blown away by how he's changed the hearts of many people in this room, many people watching online, and in this body that have seen that they were called to live their lives on mission for Jesus, not just to say, hey, I'm a Christian, not just to say, hey, I go to church, but to live their life on mission every day, no matter what, to see the kingdom come on earth that is in heaven as we see in Scripture. And so today, we're going to be looking at an incredible story in Acts where the Apostle Paul is going to model for us, how a follower of Christ joyfully carries the message of the gospel, even in the midst of danger, even in the face of persecution, because Paul knew that this incredible gift that's in the gospel wasn't meant to stay with us, but it was meant to be given away, right? And so as we, and I, listen, I haven't, had a, I haven't had a camera in front of me a lot, so now that we have people, y'all can talk back, you can say, yeah, I mean, that's right, anything y'all want to do, I'm good with it, because it just gives me some energy and some life, okay? So, side note. So anyway, it was meant to be given away to the entire world. And so what we're going to see in, in chapter 22 is Paul sharing how, if you look in this chapter in a second, we're going to see that Paul, was, Jesus, he, Paul was sharing how Jesus has changed his life. And these people didn't have a problem with that. The Jewish leaders didn't have a problem with that. Um, then he starts talking about how Jesus is alive and how um, he's moving and he's active and no one seems to care about that. But then he gets to this one word. And he shares that God has commanded him to give the gospel away to the Gentiles and they lose their mind. They lose, they lose their mind. And I'm not sure if you're like me, but you read stories like this in the Bible and, and you're like, what's going on here? What's the backstory to this? Why are they going so crazy? Like, last week, you looked in Acts 22. We talked about how they thought Paul had brought um, a, 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 an Ephesian um, a foreigner into the temple, a, a Gentile, and they lose their mind, which Paul hadn't done. There's no evidence of that. And has anybody ever wondered, what's the backstory on all this? What's the backstory with the Jews not liking the other nations? So that's kind of what I want to start with this morning. This story is really, this story of Paul is really the, the backstory of the entire Bible, about Jesus, about God sending his people out to to give his story away to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus comes and fulfills all the promises of scripture. And then we see us taking in the gospels to the nation, literally 12 verses into the Bible, 12 chapters, excuse me, 12 chapters into the Bible in the very first book of Genesis, uh, God starts a family through a guy named Abraham. Everybody knows Abraham. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard of Abraham. And look what he says. You don't have to turn there in your Bible, just write these verses down and read them later. It's Genesis 12, verse two and three. It says this, he tell, God tells Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the people's on earth will be blessed through you. And so you look at verses like this and it's easy to just kind of read through this and kinda just, oh this is this is great, wonderful. But my question is, why is God blessing? Why is he doing this? And so you look at this, it says, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And you look at what is all peoples? If I, what is the all people on earth? What does that mean? If you look at some of those deeper words of what it means, it literally means the word ethos, which means ethnic group, which means ethnic groups, nations, Gentiles. All the Gentiles on the earth will be blessed through Abraham's blessing. And so as you read this, the Gentiles are the group of non-Jewish believers that that transition from from a position outside of God's covenant at first with Israel to a position at the heart of God's redemptive plan in the gospel. See, Gentiles start as an indirect recipient of God's blessings that's, that's mediated through Israel, but eventually they're going to become direct recipients of God's blessings through the gospel. That's why we're sitting here today, right? And so if you look in Ephesians chapter 2, write this down, Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, you see Paul talking about this in Ephesians. It says, for he himself is our peace. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is our peace, who has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the divide, dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and re- regulations. His purpose, underline that if you turn there, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. So God was making a people for himself, made of Jews, Gentiles, the entire world, made a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So from the beginning, God's goal was to create a people, a family for himself that had, that had a goal to pass on this good news to every nation on the planet. Until the end of time, until Jesus comes back and calls those, he calls his children home. Look, this is, this is how serious God is about this. Look, in all of Scripture, all throughout Scripture, this is, I'm going to just blow through some Scriptures really quick for you. This is the story of the Bible. God makes the same promise to Abraham two more times. Genesis 22, verse 17 through 18, he says, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. And this is amazing to Abraham because he's been on the seashore. He's put his toes in the sand. He's looked up at the night sky and seen the stars. He knows it's numerous and it's countless. You can't count it. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. So you see what what he's saying to Abraham. He's saying, Abraham, you have one purpose. Bless the nations. One purpose, bless the nations, bless other people. Then Abraham has a son, Isaac. And God repeats the same promise to Isaac. He says in, in chapter 26 of Genesis verse four, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. He says, I will give your offspring all that you see and all the nations on the earth will be blessed by your offspring. God is saying, through your family, all the nations are going to be blessed. And then then, then comes Isaac's son. Isaac has a son named Jacob. We know all these stories, right? God says in uh, Genesis 28, he says, welcome to the family. He says, remember your father Isaac, and remember your grandfather Abraham. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out toward the east and the west and the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. But it's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's so that you're through your family, all the nations will be blessed. This blessing is not for you to just have and to hold and to just point to other people and laugh because they don't have the blessing. It's meant to be giving away. It's a relay. Salvation has come to these people, the Israelites, and it's on its way to all people. And that's the gift. That's the gift that was meant to be giving away. Look how David says it in Psalm 67, verses one and two. This verse is actually on the outside of our building. It says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. And so uh, David was asking for blessing. David was asking for God to be gracious to him, not so that he could have a lot of possessions and a lot of material and emotional and physical, um, his needs met. He was asking these things so that God's ways may be known on earth. He says, bless me so that I may share your love with other people. Bless me so that I may make your way known to the other people in the world. And so my question is, you know, David asks that, He's, but he doesn't stop there. He's asking this because God's ways, he wants to be made known on earth. Salvation be brought to all nations. So my question this morning for us here, us online, is that our prayer? When we say, hey, God, bless me, bless my family, bless my kids, heal my wife, heal my husband, take me here, take me there. Is it because... You want God's plans to be multiplied through you, or is it just because you want to be safe and secure and comfortable? And so as I'm thinking through this, Isaiah 49, 6, I read more about this. This is going deeper into the story. We're almost done with this story. God says, it's not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations, I'll make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so he's always raising up a people. And he's saying, I'm doing something bigger than you. I'm doing something bigger than you. I'm going to make you a light to the Gentiles so that my message might reach all people. And so God has given us a gift, us in this room, in salvation. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've you've given your life to Christ, he's given you a blessing in the gospel. The Holy Spirit has has, has come into your life, and He's given you power to do this, what he's calling Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Isaiah to do. He's given you the same thing, because on his last day on earth, Jesus said to his disciples, the last words on his lips before he left, go and make disciples of what? All nations, all ethnic groups, all ethos, all nations, all people baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has given us a gift not to keep to ourselves, but to give it away, to pass it on. And then today in Acts 22, Paul is doing exactly that, what he was supposed to do. God's given him the gift of salvation. Remember the road to Damascus? He comes down, literally breaks into Paul's story and says, hey, I want you to, I know you're doing really bad stuff and I know you're killing Christians, but I want you to do this. He says, yes, Lord. And so he goes off and he changes the world by being obedient to what God has called him to. God had given him salvation, the gift of the gospel, and he knew it was meant to be given away. Because in the in the terms and the means that it was given to him, it was told to him to go give it away to the Gentiles, and so this is why we say a connection that every member is a missionary. We believe that if you're a Christian, someone who says, hey, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm yours, I'm a follower of you, that means you have, have put on the mantle of a missionary. That means you don't come here and find your, your uh, safety and security and comfort in this building or with these people. You come here, you celebrate what God's done, you get charged up and you go out these doors and you become a missionary when you set foot outside in that parking lot. And you walk out God's faithfulness in your life and you take the gospel to your friends, to your families, to your coworkers, to the world, to the ends of the earth. Because we believe that when a person meets Jesus, he's met with the beauty of the gospel, the natural response is to give it away, to give it away. Paul was following God in Acts 22. He was following God by sharing his story with the world around him. Remember last, uh, last week or the week before where James and the, and the leaders, the elders, were saying, don't go, don't go. They're going to try to kill you. Don't do this. Agabus said, they're going to tie you up and put you in jail. What does Paul do? I got to go. God told me to go. I'm going. No matter what I face, I'm going. No matter what I face, God has told me he was going to take care of me. And until my plan is done on earth, I'm going to to remain alive and safe because God is sending me. And so let's read this together because as we're looking at this, God says to Paul, this is your one job, bless the nations, bless the Gentiles. And he's following God's story by sharing his story with the world around him. So let's look in the first two verses of Acts chapter 22. It says this, brothers and sisters, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. And so as I look at this, by now, Paul has dialed in his story. If anybody wants to know what a story is, that we us Western Christians call that our testimony, right? We like to tell our testimony. In a small group or on Facebook or whatever, I'm writing out my testimony for people to see, right? Which basically a testimony or a story, it means witness. It's a witness to what God has done. It's a witness to what God has done in your life, what God has done in your life, your family's life, your your, your spouse or your loved ones. He says, I'm telling you what's happened to me in my life. I'm telling you what God's done. And what I love about this next section of the story is that no matter how violent things had just gotten, remember, these jokers were trying to kill Paul. Like they were trying to drag him through the temple, drag him through the streets, and to kill him. And so I'm not sure about you, but for me, if somebody had just dragged me out of the street and started dragging me through the, and I had to be picked up by the Roman guards to carry out of that, that chaos, I'm not sure if I want to turn around and be like, hey man, let me just tell you about Jesus. He loves you, right? I'm, out, I'm, I'm running, bro. I'm like, I'm, I'm gone. I'm not, I'm not standing around when people are trying to kill me. But Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, says, he begins to speak to them in Aramaic, And everything just kind of stops, and and they listen to what Paul is saying. And I want to talk about three things really quick before we go of what Paul does as he begins to share his story with these people. And the first thing I noticed is is Paul, in the the next few verses that we're going to read, Paul is real with these people. He's real, right? I love love that Paul starts off by being absolutely real. So let's read this together in verses 3 through 5, and we'll jump back in in a second. He says this, He continued, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia. Sorry. Basically, he's saying, I have a high religious pedigree, is what he's telling them. But brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors, I was zealous for God just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death arresting and putting both men in jail as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. So he's absolutely real. He's not saying, uh, he's not trying to cover up his sin. He's not trying to cover up murder. He's not trying to cover up anything because let me tell you, being real about your past is what makes your story relatable. And so people can't relate to perfect people. People can't relate to somebody who's well polished. Oh, I have it all together. I can't relate to that person and I'm not going to open up to that person. People can't relate to people who try to cover over their flaws or their past. And this is what Paul is doing. He's being very real. When we get real with people, what do they do? They start to listen. When you get real with somebody about your past, your struggles, they get real Listen, I used to think I didn't really have a story to tell. I didn't think I had this big, I was addicted to this, and I did this, and I was in jail this many years, and I did that, and I was never like that. I never, I never experienced those things, but then God began to show me the depth of my sin and how serious my sin was apart from him, and my story became very real about how I needed a savior, but this is what's so great about your story around this room and what God's done in your life, because no one can really argue what God has done in your life, right? No one can argue what he's done and how he's changed you. Nobody can argue that. Listen, the fruit of your life will always confirm the substance of your story. The fruit of your life will always confirm the substance of your story because Paul had this crazy past where he was stuck somewhere between a murderer and a priest. Like, we don't really know what's going on. It's kind of, you feel kind of like, I don't don't know if I like Paul or hate Paul. You know, it's kind of like he's been murdering Christians, but at the same time, everybody was annoyed with Paul because he was religiously perfect, right? That's what he says in verses three and four. He says, my pedigree was perfect, and I was more religious than anybody in this room. He goes on and says it again in Philippians three, verses three through six. He says, for as we who are the circumcision, we, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, I, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, As for zeal, persecuting the church, As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. You see the heart change? That's the heart change. He told them, I was the most religious person you've ever met, but it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Something was missing. So what he does next is so important. This is the second thing he does. He points them to Jesus. He's real about a story, and then he points them to Jesus. But remember, as you, stay, as you share your story with people, that being clear about what God has done in your life through Jesus gives your story Hope. Jesus is the one that gives your story hope. Jesus is the one that gives your story substance. Listen, that's what it's about. Your story is not about you. It's about what Jesus did in you, okay? As you're following that, listen, that's the the goal. Your story, if your story in this room this morning or if you're online this morning, if your story has more eyes and knees in it than him or he's, you're missing it. And so, listen, Paul isn't the hero of this story. He's telling, God literally, Listen, God literally has to break down the doors of his life to get in there. And some of you know, whether you're online or here today, you know what it's like for God to have to break into your life, right? He knows, you know what it's like to break into your story so that he can make you into what he's wanting you to be so they can use you in how he wants to use you. Look what he does. Let's look at verse six. Let's look at at a bigger chunk of scripture. We're going through verse 18. He says, as I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell on the on the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? His tone was changing a little bit. He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were there with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, Who, what should I do, Lord? Then the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I went to Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. And he said to me, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. And so you can look at this and you say, to hear, to see, and to know. Those three things were what God was appointing to Paul. Verse 15, Since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard, and now why are are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And so we can see in Paul's story as the trans. As God transforms his heart, he's now saying, Jesus, you are Lord. Now, what do you want me to do? There's a moment of instantaneous change. Like, there's a moment where he changes from killing Christians to becoming a Christian. Almost immediately, there's a life change that happened. Jesus is the hero, and that's how Paul shares it. Paul knows that if Jesus hadn't broken into his story, Paul would be hopeless he knows that. So he says, Jesus is the Lord. He tells me where to go, where to stop, who to talk to. He guides my steps. He tells me where to spend my money. He tells me what I'm supposed to do in life, where I'm supposed to go on mission, who I'm supposed to disciple, how far I'm supposed to go here or there. He he hems me in front and back and I'm, I'm his follower and he's my Lord. And that changes the way you do life. And so as I read this, this is why many people in the church who call themselves followers of Jesus struggle pointing people to Jesus because he's not their Lord. We've created this fluffy, cuddly Jesus that saves us from all the bad things, and we push pushed him into a corner and pull him out when we need comfort in times of tough trials or tribulations, and we kind of leave him there, and we never do what he says because it's too hard. And so when I read this, only a few follow Jesus' as Lord. Only a few people, it says the road is narrow. Only a few people follow Jesus and say, I'm going to go where you tell me to go no matter what. I'm going to speak when you tell me to speak, and I'm going to shut my mouth when you tell me to shut my mouth. I'm going to step when you say step. That's the heart, what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's the heart that Paul had in this moment because Jesus had so, attacked, had so affected Paul in this moment that he would never look back again. He was only looking to Jesus. Nothing was going to distract him. Jesus is the hero in Paul's story. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, he is the hero in your story too. Not you, not me, not us. That's the gospel, man. Jesus in our place that's the gospel. Jesus took my place. Jesus took my place. And if you aren't clear about Jesus and what he's done in your life, it's easy for people to focus on their fruit and not the planter and the harvester. It's easy for people to look at you as the one who changed your life. It's easy, to, for, it's easy for people to look at your fruit and people think that you're just more disciplined than they are unless you're pointing people to Jesus. Jesus is the one that did this in my life, not me. They throw out quotes from St. Francis of Assisi like preach the gospel at all times when necessary use words. I hate that quote. I hate that quote. The gospel is a spoken message that was meant to be spoken and given away. I have a friend of mine who tells me a story, told me a story once and it broke my heart and it broke his heart and it changed his life forever. He'd been praying for years for his coworkers to be saved. He'd been praying and praying and praying and praying for Jesus. He says, he tells me, I I was living my life in front of my friends at work trying to show them Jesus by the way that I lived. I never talked about Jesus. I never brought him up, but I was trying to show them Jesus by the way that I loved them, by the way that I preferred them, and by the way that I put them first. He says, one morning, one Monday morning, I came into the office and a friend of mine who I became close with in the office started frantically sharing with everyone that he had given his life to Jesus that weekend. And he went on and on and on about all that Jesus had done to change his life in one day. All the things, that, all the heart change that he experienced, all the love that he had felt. Well, my friend celebrates with this guy and is fired up. And he told, he told him, he said, man, I'm a Christian too. And I've been praying for you for years. And his friend looks at him and says, the new Christian says, wait a minute, you're a Christian? He's like, man, actually, you're the reason it took me so long. I thought it would, if, if you could be such a good person and live such a kind and gracious life without God, And maybe I could. And this weekend, I finally gave up trying to be like you. The silent witness isn't working. We had to point people to Jesus. Jesus is the only person that can change a life. Jesus is the only person that can change a nation, a city, a family, a marriage. We have to share this message. And when Paul begins to share the message of the gospel with the people in this crowd, he goes a little too far. Let's read verses 19 through 22. It says, "But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten, and when the blood of your witness Stephen was shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. He said to me, "Go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles." They listened to him up to this point. Then they raised their voices shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. This is a little intense. That's a little much. That's a little crazy reaction right there, right? Like when he says the word Gentiles, they lose their minds. Okay. So the third thing Paul does is Paul pushed against the cultural norm, the cultural norm. He pushed against it. And when you push against the cultural norm, guess what? You're going to get persecuted. You will. When you push against the cultural norm, you're gonna get persecuted. Go try to have a conversation about abortion or, or homosexuality. Go have some conversations in, in our culture right now today where things are kind of gray right now. We don't know what's going on. And so people will, will, will get fired up in two seconds when you start pushing back against what's normal in our culture. They lose their minds because blessing other nations had always been a stopping point for Israel. Going to bless the nations. The story of Jonah is a perfect story. I'm assuming you guys have heard the story of Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the big fish, whatever you want to call him. God raises up a prophet named Jonah right, to go warn the Ninevites, who were Gentiles, to repent or God would destroy them. And so what happens is Jonah hated the Gentiles so much that he gets on a boat going the opposite direction of Nineveh. That's, that's pretty bad, right? God slows him down with a storm. Obviously, we know that. God slows him down with a storm. As this boat begins to be ripped apart and torn apart, he tells the sailors, my bad, I'm running for my God. Uh, the, the sailors like, go to Nineveh, leave, get out of here. J, Jonah says, nope. He tries to commit suicide. A lot of us don't realize what, that's what he's doing. He jumps out of the boat in a storm. That's like death, right? He jumps out of a boat in the middle of the storm, into the ocean by himself. And look how bad it is. This dude would rather drown than go to the Ninevites. This dude would rather drown than go do what God had told him to do. I would rather die than go do that. God says, no, 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 not so fast. Sends a big fish to swallow up Jonah so that he would be kept alive. This fish spits him on the shore. God's like, Jonah, would you like another chance? And so most of you read this story and you're like, Jonah had a heart change. Hallelujah. He goes to, Jonah. He goes to Nineveh and he preaches. No, he goes to, he goes to Nineveh like a kid who had to go turn in all his Halloween candy to his neighbor. He was like, man, I don't do this. You know? He preaches the shortest sermon in the world, the worst sermon in the world, eight words, and the entire city of Nineveh repents and worships God. Right, eight words. So you listen to this and you read this. At the end of the story, he goes up on his hill. He's mad at God, angry at God, sulking, kicking rocks, you know, whatever. God, I knew you would do this. I knew you would save these old Gentiles. I knew you would do this. And everything in this story obeys God. Listen, you ever read the story in detail? The wind obeys God. The seas obey God. The sailors obey God. The fish obey God. The Ninevites obey God. Everyone obeys God except the missionary sent by God. It reminds me of the culture we live in, right? The church culture that we live in. God's saying through the story of Jonah that our love cannot have stopping points. We can't have these hidden biases of race. We can't have these hidden biases of nationalities or different different things that we may be fearful of. We're called to take God's love to the ends of the earth. A thousand years later, Jesus is going to walk into the temple. There's this area built into the temple called the, the court of the Gentiles. Because God wanted to draw all the people of all the nations, every tribe, tongue, and language to worship him. But the Jews had set up their money tables and their, their market there kind of to push these people out, of, out off the bus, to get them off the bus. So what does Jesus do? He goes in and makes a whip. The disciples are like, uh, Jesus, what, what you doing there? He's doing nothing. You know, he's like just making a whip. You can think about this. Have you ever made a whip before of leather or whatever? It takes some time. So this is premeditated, bro. Like you're thinking about beating these people. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking through... I'm going to weave this right here for this dude, and this guy's going to get hit with this. Part. He knows. He's sovereign, right? It takes time to make a whip, okay? It would take me time. It might not take some of you craftsmen some time, but it would take me days. And so he's making this whip. And the next thing you know, Jesus is in there kicking over tables, and the disciples were like, what has gotten into Jesus? This is the author of love. He, what has gotten into him? And then he quotes Isaiah 56, 7 to him. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He was mad at what the Christians, the Jews, had made his temple. He was mad at what had happened in that moment. God calls us to give our story away, even in the difficult moments. These people, there are people in this room right now, there are people that are watching online that have drawn a circle around yourself and have asked God, Lord, bless my family, bless my children, bless my friends, bless my church, bless my spouse. But there are people that have hurt you that are outside of that circle. There are people that have betrayed you or left you that are outside that circle. There are people of other races, other people groups around the nation, around the world or the outside of that circle. There are people that are unreached in other other languages and other countries that are outside that circle. Remember David's prayer. The reason you have been blessed is to bless the nations. And we have to ask, God, where are my stopping points? Ask yourself that. Where are my stopping points? Because it's uncomfortable for God to go, To go, right? It's uncomfortable when God pushes us a little too far than I want to go because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to this person and do that because it's uncomfortable for me, right? It makes me feel uncomfortable. So maybe we just kind of stopped instead of submitted. So do you know why this story was so important to Luke? Luke is the author of Acts. We talked about that in Luke week one of this. It's been a long, it's been a long time. Luke authored the book of Luke and Acts. But do you know why this story is so important to Luke But he's telling about Paul? You know why this plan of God to bless the Gentiles mattered to Luke? Because Luke was a Gentile. He was from Antioch. He was fired up about this story because he saw God fighting for his people. He said, so this is what God has been doing from the very beginning, man. Jesus had been confronting racism long before we have. Jesus calls us past our, pre- our prejudices, man. Like, that's, how, that's what's going on in this story. That's what's been going on from Genesis, and that's what's happened in our culture today. And that's what Luke is trying to draw out of this story. He draws out this, this parallel between what they did to Jesus and what they were about to do to Paul. If you wanna turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter four, I wanna read a story really quick before we go. Watch this story about in Luke, where, where Luke included this, um, this story about Jesus as he goes into the synagogue and how he responds, how people respond to him talking about the Gentiles. And so it's in Luke 4, verse 14 through 30. And it says this Then Jesus returned to Galilee, in the power of the Spirit, and used by him, spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up his house his home as usual he entered a synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolling the scroll he found the place where it was written: "The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." He then wrote up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed. On him. He began to say, saying to them, Today, you, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Daughter, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in our hometown. Give us a sign, Lord. Give us a sign that this is what you want us to do, Lord. He said, Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow in Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of the town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. And this is one of the, the most gangster moves Jesus has ever done. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. The whole city was trying to push him over the cliff. He's like, part. You know, whatever. It's good. Go read it. The Bible's awesome, dude. It's telling you. So anyway, listen. This is what I'm talking about. The, the widow in Zarephath and Naaman had two things in common. Guess what it was? They were Gentiles. Jesus was basically dropping a bomb on them and saying, listen, this message that I'm here for, this, this freedom that I'm here for, this liberty and salvation that I'm here for is for more than just the Jews. Your job, you were giving a gift to give away. Maybe you haven't given it away, but I'm here to give it away to the entire world. And these people in Luke literally pushed God himself away from their lives. They literally push him out of the city trying to kill him, trying to remove him from their lives because of the prejudices they had in their heart. The Jews in Acts 22 do the same thing when Paul shares the gospel. They push God and his message out of their life. And that's what I want you to see this morning. What's amazing is what Paul, Paul knows that this was a cultural stopping point for him. He knows, he he knows what's about to happen. A cultural grenade is about to go off as he starts to share about his job of sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, but he remains faithful and obedient in the midst of persecution and potential death. What's gonna happen when you're faced with Jesus or death? Jesus or persecution? Jesus or trial Jesus, your family, what are you going to choose? What are you going to be faced with? Jesus called Paul to go beyond the cultural norm. We're called to push against that as well. And this is the most tragic moment of this entire story. It's tragic. It should break our hearts. It should move in us. They were parting ways, not just with Paul. They were parting ways with God himself. Their religion had so stuck them in their ways that they were not able to see the king of kings and the Lord of lords right in front of them when he was standing in their midst. They were parting ways with the heart and the mission of God. They removed themselves from this story. They removed themselves from God's plan. And I know people who have been Christians for a while, maybe in this room, I don't know. But they feel very distant from God. Have you ever felt distant from God before? For a long long period of time? And I'll share this, this is probably... Accurate. Most of the Christians I know are busy, or bored. Their life purpose feels dry, empty. They feel distant. They read the Word and it feels empty. And, they're, and they're, here's my question. And my question for you, is it God who got distant and left or did you stop somewhere along the way? Did you have a stopping point along the way where God was trying to lead you And it got uncomfortable while you stopped. You may still be practicing religion, but you may not be following Jesus. And here's my question. Today, is is, is it God or is it us? Because here's the good news, man. It's not too late to get back on path you were created to be on. It's not too late to come back to God and say, God, I want to be close to you again. I, I don't want to have any stopping points. Have your way in my heart, God. I'll go where you tell me to go. And this is what people... This is what the people of our world need right now. A church full of people that, 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 that say, we're going to wrap the world and share our story. We're going to radically be a blessing to the nations by taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting across our street. Because God loved and blessed me with the gospel, I'm going to join him in taking this blessing to the world no matter what. And so today, as we close, have you joined this story? Whether you're at home, whether you're here, Have you joined this story? Have you joined the story of the gospel? Have you joined the story that God has started so many years ago to see his story taken to the nations? There's so many distractions, right? There's so many distractions as far as relational distractions. There's distractions of of work, our pursuit of money, our pursuit of, of things, our pursuit of fame, and our pursuit of comfort. So many things gets in the way. But my question is, are you a Paul in this story or are you one of the Jewish mobs in this story? And today, I would, I would just encourage you, whether you're at home or whether you're here, like make yourself an altar at your couch or make, come to this altar and just get things right with the Lord and say, God, I want to follow you wherever you lead me, Father. I'm giving you my all. I'm not moving to the left or the right. God, I trust you. I believe in you. I know you love me. And if you've never gotten your heart right with Jesus if you know that you need to come into a relationship with Jesus, I just want to ask you to get that right today as well. If you're online and you're watching, you know, today is a day that, that I need to get my life straight with the Lord. I know that I've never walked in obedience one day in my life, and I know that I need him. Because Jesus, Jesus became sin. The person that didn't know sin became sin on my behalf, on your behalf, so that you can live with him. And so this morning, all you have to do is is turn your life to him. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Romans says that you'd be saved. If that's you this morning, I pray that you wouldn't leave here or you wouldn't turn off this live stream without getting that right. Put in the comments and say, I've turned my life over to Jesus. Today, I trusted Jesus as my Lord. And if you're in this place this morning, you know that's some decisions that you need to make come do some business with the Lord at this altar. I, there, there's a there's prayer team that would love to pray with you, would love to walk you through those steps because no matter where you are here or online, we want to be a church that walks alongside of you and helps you take your next steps in your faith because our heart is to connect you to a growing relationship with Jesus and that starts by you taking a step because let me tell you this, let me promise you this, once you take that first step, you won't have to take the second one alone. Just remember that. So we love you. Let me pray for us as we, as we go into this time. Don't, don't miss this moment of, of fellowship with the Lord. God, we love you so much. We praise you. We honor you, God, because you're the only one that deserves our glory and honor and praise. Father, I pray right now, the person who is far from you, that you would draw them close. I pray for the person whose heart is hard, God, that you would just soften it in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the person who is stuck in sin, God, that you would just remind them that you have broken the chains of sin around their life, God, and they can walk out of that jail free because you've given us freedom in Jesus. God, I pray for your way to be had in this place this morning. We love you. We give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.